bit of rumour. That's not going on the potty. <laughs> How dare Iran put their country near so many US Army bases? How's that, Mick? Ooh. How's that? How's that? Oh, sorry. Fucking hot as a chop. Goodies and baddies. Yes. Decent segues, by the way. So many. Cult following of... Our, our Sky people are better than your Sky people. Fucking In- Insider trading's only a text message away, comrade. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> they know who's, who's buying and who's lying. Episode 500. What are we? 54. Hang on. I've got something that I'm going to play first. It goes for... Clark is adding a bit of structure to the fucking podcast. I am. It goes for a minute and then we'll... We'll uh, add some commentary to recent events. That fuck, that was a good ball that bowled Labuschagne. Was it? Oh, yeah. How's Warner going? Like the perfect off spinner. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good, me. I think he found his hat. Oh, all right. That'll have to be my last beer for tonight. Doesn't it? Well, maybe. Exercise some discretion, Jack. I will do. Some discretion. What time is it now? How about eight? How about eight? Right, eight. Fucking, let's get in. How past eight? So I'm going to play this, and then it's going to be, once this bit's finished, it'll be like, right, episode 54. My bro, can you give me just half a tick, half an increment of microphone? uh, Sorry, headphone on number, probably number three. Am I coming through okay for you, Clayton? I love that. How's that, Mick? How's that? How's that? How's that? How's that? Great. How's that? Perfect. That's me. You're turning me up. Am I? What? Am I? I'll dial you back. Hang on. Is this you, Mick? Is that you, Mick? Oh, actually, yes, it is. Is that Thank better? You. Thank you. How about you, Neil? I'm good. You're good? Yeah, thank you. When Neil got right. excited, I thought it was me. It was... I'm going to play this because it's pretty relevant. Penis. And then, because what will happen is we'll have the intro. This bit will play. I've taken, I'm ripping off um, Peter Joseph. Peter Joseph's podcast. They don't talk. They don't talk. After 9-11, about 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me, and one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you gotta come in, you gotta come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq, why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to Al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're gonna take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq, and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago, and I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show it to you. Uh, I'm sorry, what did you say his name was? <laughs> I'm not going to give you his name. So go through the countries again? 
Well, starting with Iraq, then Syria and Lebanon, then Libya, then Somalia and Sudan, and then back to Iran. So when you look at Iran, you say, is it a replay? It's not exactly a replay, but here's the truth, that Iran from the beginning has seen that the presence of the United States in Iraq was a threat, a blessing, because we took out Saddam Hussein and the Ba'athists. They couldn't handle them. We could, took care of it for them, but also a threat because they knew that they were next on the hit list. And so, of course, they got engaged. They lost a million people during the war with Iraq. And they've got a long and unprotectable, unsecurable border. So it was in their vital interest to be deeply involved inside Iraq. Um, they tolerated our attacks on the Ba'athists. They were happy we captured Saddam Hussein, but they're building up their own network of influence and to cement it, they occasionally give some military assistance and training and advice, either directly or indirectly to both the insurgents and to the militias. And in that sense, it's not exactly parallel because there has been, I believe, continuous Iranian engagement some of it legitimate, some of it illegitimate. I mean, you can hardly fault Iran because they're offering to do eye operations for Iraqis who need medical attention. That's not an offense that you can go to war over, perhaps. But it is an effort to gain influence. And the administration has stubbornly refused to talk with Iran about their perception, in part because they don't want to pay the price with their domestic, our U.S. domestic political base, the right-wing right base, but also because they don't want to legitimate a government that they've been trying to overthrow. If you were Iran, you'd probably believe that you were mostly already at war with the United States anyway, since we've asserted that their government needs regime change. So, uh, and we've asked Congress to appropriate $75 million to do it, and we are supporting terrorist groups, apparently, who are infiltrating and blowing up things inside Iraq, Iran. And if we're not doing it, let's put it this way, we're probably cognizant of it and encouraging it. So it's not surprising that we're moving to a point of confrontation and crisis with Iran. My point on this is not that the Iranians are good guys, they're not, but that you shouldn't use force except as a last, last, last resort. There is a military option, but it's a bad one. I wanted to get your response to Seymour Hersh's piece in The New Yorker to two key points um, this week. Reporting the Pentagon's established a special planning group within the office of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to plan a bombing attack on Iran. Um, that this is coming as the Bush administration and Saudi Arabia are pumping money for covert operations into many areas of the Middle East, including Lebanon, Syria, and Iran, in an effort to strengthen Saudi-supported Sunni Islam groups and weaken Iranian-backed Shias. Some of the covert money has been given to jihadist groups in Lebanon with ties to Al-Qaeda. Fighting the Shias by funding with Prince Bandar, um, and then with U.S. money not approved by Congress, funding the Sunnis connected to Al-Qaeda? Well, I don't have any direct information to confirm it or deny it. it, it it's certainly plausible. The Saudis have taken a more active role. You know, the, the Saudis um, 
You were just have, in Saudi Arabia. Hmm? You just came back from Saudi yeah, Arabia. Yeah, well, the Saudis have basically recognized that they have an enormous stake in the outcome in Iraq, and they don't particularly trust the judgment of the United States in this area. We haven't exactly proved our competence in Iraq. So um, they're trying to take matters into their own hands. The real danger is, and one of the reasons this is so complicated, is because let's say we did follow the, the, the desires of some people who say, just pull out and pull out now. Well, yeah, we, we could mechanically do that. It would be ugly, and it might take three or four months, but you could line up the battalions on the road one by one, and you could put the gunners and the Humvees and cock, load and cock their weapons and shoot their way out of Iraq. You'd have a few roadside bombs, but if you line everybody up, there won't be any roadside bombs, maybe some sniping. You can fly helicopters over, do your air cover, you probably get safely out of there. But when you leave, the Saudis have got to find someone to fight the Shias. Who are they going to find? Al-Qaeda. Because the groups of Sunnis who would be extremists and willing to fight would probably be the groups connected to Al-Qaeda. So one of the weird inconsistencies in this is that were we to get out early, we'd be intensifying the threat against us of a super powerful Sunni extremist group which was now legitimated by overt Saudi funding in an effort to hang on to a, a toehold inside Iraq and block Iranian expansionism. Go. Let's go. Okay, okay, Let's okay. talk about it. Very good. Where's so, the go for So it, before we kick off, so that's uh, episode 54, and that's Wesley Clark. Who, that's Clarky's son friend. It's Well, actually, it's my son's name, actually. He's Wesley Clark, funnily enough. However... It wasn't him. Retired U.S. general, I believe, and I think that conversation was around about 20 years ago, Michael. Yeah, so if people were going, oh, that's that's a very incisive sound grab about you found there, Chris, about the current state of the Middle East, you'd be right, but has a habit, the US intelligence community has a habit of telling the truth in advance, and uh, he said that... A couple of years after the invasion of, he was the he was a general in in Kosovo, basically. Yes, sure. Yeah, so yeah. he's um he's definitely an established dude in the hierarchy. But that would be near on twenty years ago that he said that. So he's describing the conditions and the situation that we see in the game of ping pong in the Middle East, the never ending, you know as best as can be undertaken, a never-ending war in the Middle East that is just going back and forth. So you've got the Saudis, you've got, there's numerous things, you've some unspoken things like Hezbollah, you've got similarities with uh, Russia and Nord Stream and blowing up your own gear and what the mainstream media says is really going on. But uh, I guess, bringing it back to, so you guys can have a kick at it, is what's really changed? You've the, got you've the, got the news, and then you've got the reality, and then we move on. And twenty years later, what's really fucking changed? And the reason why I think that particular interview with Wesley Clark is pertinent today is because recently Israel has assassinated Ham and a Hamas leader in. Uh, Lebanon. Oh, so is uh, Hamas, is that a political party in Lebanon, is it, Chris? No, it's not, funnily so enough. just get your murder on wherever the just, fuck you want? 
just get your murder on. So that happened, I think, so today's Friday. I think it may have happened Thursday or Wednesday of this week. And as recently as today or yesterday, there was a so-called terrorist attack in Iran when Iran was celebrating the death of one of their generals who was assassinated by the US in Iraq. El Khomeini. El Khomeini. But Wesley Clark said in that clip about how much money they'd allocated to agitate within Iran. So $74 million, I think, back at that point in time. So It's got elements of what well, was a racket type sort of stuff, hasn't it? Well it's, yeah. well, it's like, well, what's what's actually really going on here? And without, you know, on the last potty, we said tinfoil hat, conspiracy, things of that nature. Wesley Clark said this shit 20 years ago. So then when there's a terrorist attack in Iran, knowing that the US has done similar things in other countries, specifically like in South America, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that, well, is the CIA involved in agitating in Iran, given the fact that... If they've uh, made movies about it, comrade, I think it's... Um... Yeah, but like given the fact of what's going on now with between, you know, um, Hamas and Israel and now Israel and... Um, Lebanon with Hezbollah and like who's aggravating and agitating and what are they actually trying to do here and why would it be advantageous to now like start poking the bear of Iran to try and get them involved in some sort of conflict and it's just so it's so difficult to get a beat on what's actually happening in the Middle East because like the skeptic in me is like it just seems so orchestrated. Like how does the average fucking punter actually fucking join the dots and go, what's actually fucking going on here? Like you know what I mean? Well, like I don't the, know. Cause, cause, fucking cause the, ask an easy question. The, the, yes. the, main, the mainstream <laughs> how do you come at that? Yeah. Happy, no, no, I, look the mainstream Happy media New Year, coverage of this stuff. Me. The mainstream media coverage of this stuff is pretty cut and dried, goodies and baddies. Yes. But it goes a hell of a lot deeper than that and the roots and the historical record of how we ended up here and now things, you know, like you see shit kicking off in Iran, you're just like, fuck, man, what's fucking... We're heading towards well, World War Three here. Not Iran, the fucking, fucking... Houthis, rebels are boarding ships. Yeah, in the fucking, like, but yep, like all, all, that, yeah, all, that in, all that interconnected shit, though. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's mainstream media bingo on this body n- tonight. It's none of this shit curve. is fucking by accident, comrades. Well... <laughs> The uh, <laughs> that's right. So the same. The, the, the yeah, how do you get a fucking grip on it? So the um, you really have to break it down. I think there's there's two parts of it. There's money and there's there's power, pretty much. And the the money parts is fucking just obvious. It's the, it's biggest way. Uh, it's one of the easiest. War is one of the easiest ways that the US has been able to grow their strength and their dominance. They were weren't exactly they weren't they weren't anywhere near the superpower they were today, even 20, 30 years ago before the Second World War. The Second World War proved to be such a massive cash cow for the US. This perpetual wars of thing. So that's that's one part. The power thing. Listening to a fantastic podcast the other day, who it was a Lex Friedman one again. We were just talking about him before and talking about how uh, the guy he was interviewing was. Um, John Mish and Minor or something. I can't. I don't know his background. I don't know his thoughts or anything. But he proposed a few interesting theories around power and around how the absence. Of, so that you've got all these countries, and essentially it's this um, race to have the most power, the highest technology, and so on. So you need wars to sharpen your military technology for constant development and all that sort of stuff. But you also need to be the biggest and the strongest. A not so cold war. 
Exactly. And that's right. And then, so we've got these things like the UN, but the UN is, it, there's no strength. So there's no like, not that I'm advocating for a world government, but there's no, in the absence of a, like, because we're operating on a hierarchy system, right? They've got an absolutely we've, cracking track record, comrade. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So we've, we've got of, hierarchies of delivering within, for the worker. We've got hierarchies within, um, within democracy and democracies respect, this was his premise, uh, democracies respect other democracies and the rule of law and all that sort of bullshit, the, the cover. But in reality, beyond that, it's just pure anarchy. There is no hierarchy. So there's no one answers to... Uh, it's capital. Exactly. And that is the fucking end result. So the money, oh, that's the circular. Money. So the money is the big thing, the, the power, and then the power, mm-hmm. and then the one feeds the other, and before you know it, you're off to the races. Yeah. So that's the easiest way I can... Um, it, it's just the same shit. Rinse and repeat, cookie cut, whatever you fucking want to say. I think if you go back and look at it, it's the same shit. The problem is they're picking parts of the world that provide the least resistance to their ability to see out their Mo- fucking hole. And move resources where they want them. Exactly, yeah. And how, how dare Iran put their country so near so many US Army bases? Yes. <laughs> or a fucking shit ton of oil. Or, yes, exactly. And, so many resources. And I know this is like on a globalist, you know, it's a globalist topic. It's on the other side of the world and so on and so forth. Well, it has to be because it's a however topic as well, yeah. However... Those same mechanisms, the old money and all of those things are the exact same things that oppress workers in every other country around the world. Because so your, Australia, bo- your boss, big or small, invests in this system. 100%. Like That's where they, your, your, they, boss, your boss goes, oh, we had a good time. Well, you didn't do it off the back of product sales. You did it off the back of investment so in big companies. They're protecting a system which perpetuates this whole fucking cult following of capitalism, of being the pinnacle of where we could potentially get in the way in which we organise humanity. And well, that's a cell. That's not the reality, is it? Oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the cell, yeah. and but the oppression that, that it exerts – is different depending on where you're born, but it's still the same system that's oppressing you. So the wars that we're talking about... Can I have a stab, comrade? The, the wars that are currently being fought and agitated and all that shit, is the sa- is, it's the same vehicle, it's the same system that then makes your rights at work fucking shit and that's oppressing humanity as a whole across the globe. 100%. That's how it ties in. Like everything that you think is fucked about your workplace and how... This isn't fair. This isn't equitable. Everything that's not fair and equitable about your society in a democracy is the same structural root causes, side effects, relativity to what's actually now looks like. They're not now trying to agitate a pretty fucking severe war in the Middle East. Yes. Yes. Because I've got a. We are going to go in and out of focus (laughs) and like global, local, national view flat out on this. If I could just supplement this because this is fucking hot as a chop. The points that the boys have made here is everything around what we're told on a beyond global scale, call it beyond global, where people don't even understand who the fuck runs the show. Cool. Call it those people. Call it the UN, call it big government, call it small government, whatever. It's still based on the idea of scarcity. People live in an area where other people need it more and they're being displaced. It's not like um, they're going to do bad, necessarily bad things with it. These No one's weaponising the dirt under their feet, right? They're being displaced from places where it's favourable for global capitalists to move in and say, oh, we can mine this or develop this or whatever. That side of it's reasonably simple. 
they're resource all wars are resource wars. It's not it's not like our sky people are better than your sky people. Although that's how it's framed, and we should really please stop pretending it's about religion. Because it's fucking not. No. Very convenient because people get angry about that shit. The religion of fucking capitalism, power and money. Well, it's the classic point of division that helps drive a critical mass of people behind a goodies and baddies type. you got to get, you got to fucking mobilise an army somewhere, yeah. comrade. Yep. So if we go again under that banner of, and I know we're fucking belting the fuck out of the same old themes, but under... Capitalism, the idea that fucking uh, scarcity and abundance, supply and demand, all that same old dog shit that still exists, even though we're 100 years down the road from when the First World War was fought under the same auspices of, you know, white Germans were being oppressed or fucking, you know, God's people or whatever in Germany was getting encroached on by dodgy races and people that were no good. Coming down that tree a little bit in the, the Middle East, you've got Israel losing the I don't know where to fucking start, to be honest. <laughs> Everything seems like a fucking segue when you talk about the, the Middle East. <laughs> say, we, I just pick Israel. So, say, Israel pivots to, you know, saying, oh, we didn't assassinate that dude in fucking Lebanon. And you go, that's a bit weird. How did, uh, how do we end up fucking knocking off people in, in Lebanon? Well, when you're losing the propaganda war about bombing the actual, like, genocide and ethnic cleansing in Gaza, because it's literal terraforming, it's turning the joint into one big car park so they can't return, you need a distraction. Have we ever seen this before? I would say it's a model. So you got open up a coalface in Lebanon. That creates tension between, obviously, both sides' allies, creates air cover for Israel. It puts pressure on... Massive pressure on the United States who had been saying to Israel, pull your fucking heads in, mm. basically. Yep. Stop fucking doing this to Gaza. So they're opening up another coalface. And what I mean is another place where they can spin goodies versus baddies. And the main point I would like to support from where Clarkie opened up is this idea. I've, I've been reflecting on some thoughts about what I wanted to sort of talk to listeners about in 2024 and just make a sort of admission early decent segues by the way so many so many but rabbit, so many rabbit holes. we're here and it's our fucking podcast so why don't we is we tend or i have tended to be and uh if it's been to the detriment of the broader conversation i apologize but it tended to be maybe too black and white or goodies and baddies about things because we're you know, we don't have weeks to go into these particular subject matters, nor are we experts, but we can sort of identify the signs. That's what this podcast is about. So my goal for 2024 and what I'll be encouraging listeners to have a look at is moving away from the ideas of just a black and white or goodies and baddies type mm-hmm. approach. We'll introduce the bigger ideas. And I don't think we've disgraced ourselves in what we've talked about, but there is always nuance within Israel. There are fucking amazing people fighting for humanity in Israel. In Russia, there are amazing people fighting for humanity inside mm. Russia, inside the US. Every Everyone that we give a clip, or sorry, me, I won't taint you blokes with it, but every time we've sort of said, oh, that's a bit fucked. Saudi Arabia, there are amazing people fighting for humanity inside saudi Absolutely. arabia so it in every needs to carry world yeah it needs to carry because we fucking fundamentally believe that so if i just run into cascading order there <laughs> um to recap scarcity 
come down the the rung, Israel needs to bring distraction and their allies more back into the race because they distanced themselves out because they were fucking over the Palestinians so badly. So they're trying to bring in the boogeymen of Hezbollah. The problem is that Hezbollah has been pretty restrained through this conflict and um, although they're a prescribed organisation in Australia, which is very fucking interesting, Mm. you'll hear a lot of very good podcasts, some by Abby Martin, that would say that people in Lebanon fucking love Hezbollah because they defend that country against Western interests. So then going further down, why would they need that? You have the economics coming in where you have uh, the Houthi rebels being blamed for carrying on in the Strait of Hormuz or whatever, and BP has then (laughs) spoken on behalf of the Western government and said we're no longer transporting oil through that. Imagine trying to keep oil prices high, comrades. Who would have fucking thought? Oh, that's outrageous. Well, that that's, wouldn't so, happen, Michael. That's, so, that's the manufacturing of scarcity. Yeah, go on. Of yes. course, yep, so yep. the scarcity. So yep. they go back. And when we look at that, just a really quick one, we've always said don't just look at what conflicts are coming on in the news. You, you know, Let's look beyond but not undermine at all the plight of Ukrainians, fucking Iraqis, whichever life war zone, Afghan still that the West is pursuing. But... When you look at the Houthi rebels all of a sudden... Do, do they know when there's a public holiday in Australia? <laughs> Is that when they decide to fucking jump on a ship to make prices of petrol go uh, up? Look, if they knew what <laughs> you, a, a quiet news day was in Australia, that would be very insightful, Chris. It just seems like every time there's a public holiday coming up, That's amazing. the price of petrol goes up. But here I was thinking it was price gouging, but I think it's just because the Houthi rebels know that that's a good time to strike a tanker yeah. over there. They give a fuck when Australia's trying to move up and down the east coast of Australia in their caravans. Of yeah. course, they would do that. Fuck, they're switched on. So you've got what is, and again, to recap, what is the conflict in Yemen? It's not just the Houthi rebels are fighting a fight because they feel like it. Saudi and US proxy army is fighting fucking the Houthi movement over in Yemen. If you want to know a lot more about that, and Saudi Arabia in general, have a look at Abby Martin's House of Saud. Mm. It's a fucking really, really good documentary. Yep. Fuck. Here we go. Eerily reminiscent of Russia and the Nord Stream thing, which they reported and said, oh, Russia blew up their own gas pipeline, <laughs> and then it went away after about two days because they couldn't stitch a story together. Fucking I Ukraine's gone really quiet of late, like what's happening in Ukraine, and it's almost like I feel they don't want to highlight the atrocities that Putin and Russia is doing in Ukraine because then, because they sort of mirror now what's happening, or not mirror, but they're probably a little bit parallels. worse. There's parallels. There's parallels yeah. to yep. what's happening in Gaza where Putin seemed like, well, we're just going to fucking break the morale of the civilians and attack, you know, civilian apartment blocks and blow up their fucking essential services and then the West comes out and goes, oh, that's outrageous and it's a war crime. Mm. Fuck, we better not talk about Putin doing those things anymore because we're going to go and then, well, those things are happening now in Gaza. So they don't want people to draw the parallel and go, well, if it's bad for Putin to do those things in Ukraine because it is, Mm. then surely then it's bad to do those things in Gaza. Yes, if but, like that. But, Russia, Russia, but, there, but, there's, but there's been fuck all about Ukraine lately. No, who, it's, who because it's, it's an uncomfortable reality. It would be so much easier for everyone if Russia was a democracy in respect of the international world. <laughs> and have a, have a decent and a spicy old school meme about that, which is not trying to make fun of it, but it's true about what I'll share about the uh, Ukrainian and coming off the boil, call it, about yeah. people panicking. So to tie that up in 
in a bow. Yes, and I'll have a stab at that as well. So many bows. Me. Christ. <laughs> Christ almighty, I, I apologise. See if I can compliment yeah, the two of you. You yep. can. You can, Neil, because that was bad. But so that, that what are we calling it now? The phase. Call it the phase of what we're moving into because I hate sort of trying to say that told you so, but in a way that says not told you so, but look for the detail. Stay stay interested in the detail and who stands to gain because when we look at it now, Israel and Saudi Arabia are dealing themselves into needing to bring Western allies into the fight for their own benefit. That They almost have to in the same way that um, they had to draw Western allies into the Israeli concept, which is very appropriate that that uh, clip you played at the start there with Wesley Clark is that he was highlighting all those things. There was no fucking logic. There was no weapons of mass destruction. Blitzer or whatever his name was, the the, the guy who was looking for ma- uh, weapons of mass destruction was couldn't find any, and they still went in. They manufactured intelligence to say that they had grounds of weapons of mass destruction because who I can't think of the guy's name that addressed the UN, the aluminum tubes guy. There's aluminum tubes. Oh, Who Colin, Colin Powell. Colin yeah. Powell, that's him. Yeah. He, like, addressed Secretary the UN, yeah. going fucking, oh, fucking. And he's, we've, we've intercepted or we've seen or. stuff and that. Yeah. There's a grouse PowerPoint. Yes. It was yeah. terrible. <laughs> Saddam's got aluminum tubes. So this is the, the manufacturing consent. This is the, um, the scarcity thing. It, the money, this is, and we're talking about World War One, World War Two. The World War Two thing is the irony of this whole situation because the path to supremacy and, and fascism, well, it ends up as fascism, but we're at that supremacy stage. So we've got people who have a right over another group of people. Israel is providing it in a fucking textbook fashion of uh, genocide. Even Western media is reporting the concept of good versus evil and trying to treat it as two states against each other, like a, like a Russia and a Ukraine, where you've got two genuine states recognised by the UN. And that October 7th was the commencement of the conflict. That, I don't know, like it, nothing was going on before that. It's like there's no history. It's like that's fucking day one. Did anyone, anyone die before then? Just there was been, a lot no. going on and a million demo- – in fact, there was fucking documentaries being made in the 80s about the Palestine struggle. It's just like the open prison and all this sort of stuff. So Britain fucked it up in First World War. Okay. Yeah, and so then you know from that supremacy and that division amongst classes, uh, sexes, whatever, then ends up all the negative effects that we start to see in our workplaces. You know things like going into these countries and then you basically take them over. You've got cheaper labour, you exploit their resources, you exploit their um, environment, and that whole process fucking just creates big profits and it feeds capitalism. That's the f- that in my broad looking out at the big thing that's the cycle that has got to be broken otherwise the only path when we're focusing when our number one priority is on money and you know scarcity scarcity is sort of the motivator so that's why they're so motivated by for creating scarcity as well as um, highlighting when it actually fucking is a real thing is to feed that beast of capitalism but while we're doing that on that cycle we end up on a path to fascism. And that is, the irony there is that that was the thing we were supposed to be fucking targeting in World War Two, and yet all we've done is fucking just gone straight back by focusing on prosperity, mutual prosperity amongst democratic countries being the fucking the righteous path, essentially. And I, and I think the, um, the thing that I find pretty frustrating is the class consciousness about this whole thing, right? Or the lack of. Well, the, the lack of that because yep. – when you look at the conservatives that just, want to, if you could just tie that together in a neat bow for us, Clark, that'd be <laughs> great. You, you fucking wait. You, 
Mate, I've got you wait much. and see what I've got coming. And this will be the last much. podcast. You, we, you, we fucking have it all sorted. And sold. See, There'll be a new world order from the shit. <laughs> for the workers of the world, fucking when any boss says to you, oh, I can't pay you more because some worker somewhere else fucking will do the job for less, you should be fucking in support of that worker. This is what capitalists do. They exploit workers in other countries that are easier exploited to move jobs offshore so they can make more profit. And before we start blaming workers in other countries, we need to fucking just get our fucking class conscious together and going every fucking worker deserves the same wages and conditions no matter where they're born, where they work, what they fucking produce, that will give them a decent life given the fact that we now live in an age of technology and resources where there's no excuse for that not to exist. And abundance. And Well, that's... Theoretically abundance. Abundance comes from the technology and the ability of how we can do things now. And what we're seeing uh, reinforced is division and it's no more blatant than in Gaza at the moment where everyone's sitting back and watching this genocide fucking take place. This is the fucking system that has fucking just eaten into the soul of the human being where the fucking humanity is suffering. And as long as, as long as we accept this and... Walk by and allow this shit to go on. Like no one's fu- like who the fuck in the West is get jumping up and down going, Israel, this is fucking genocide. This is fucking outrageous. Oh, There's obvious. no way you can do this shit. Activists um, or activist organisations, so on and so forth. Like there's no concerted effort. We are allowing genocide to happen before our very eyes. When previously, when you think about like in World War Two, the horrific nature of what happened there. Well. That's fucking happening now in 2023, 2024, and we're just going, oh, we're making up excuses about, and I'm not condoning what Hamas did, we're making up excuses to go, oh, well, fucking baddies over in fucking Gaza escaped and went and did some horrific things, so therefore Israel has the right to level fucking Gaza and just kill indiscriminately when clearly it's it's got fuck all to do with Hamas, and this has been a long-term plan Wesley Clark talked about it in the start. This has been a long-term plan about grabbing resources, fucking capitalists making more money, workers are fucking dying, workers pay the price, doesn't matter what your religion, colour, creed, fucking sex, fucking any of that shit. Capitalists are just fucking wreaking havoc and we're allowing this to happen. Get some fucking class consciousness about yourself because this happens everywhere. It's not just Gaza. Look at Africa, that um, South America... Everywhere in the global south, it's the toll has been horrific and it's happened on our watch, it's happened on our parents' watch, our grandparents. It's the fucking system. It's going to continue to do this shit and no one should be surprised when the fucking next one kicks off somewhere else. Bit of a rant, but there you go. No, well, Very it's, it's, we've got to, we've got to kick, kick this into gear in a sense because, and thanks for that, mate, when we think about workers everywhere, right, the work, the our bosses from a workshop level, because I love how Neil pulls it back to a workshop level about workers. Because we'll go, oh, well, just, you know, workers, everyone's got, everyone's different. Well, then fucking not, because it's about the struggle for resources, right? There's plenty of resources. The rich are getting rich in every country. Doesn't matter where you are. Every, every fucking capitalist in every country. There are very, very, very few communist countries in the world. Yeah. Genuine, there's not no, in right. a genuine sense that yeah. aren't under sanction or fucking whatever, and so we need to examine their conditions because that's a fucking petri dish for 
if they could, your elected representatives of a particular party or your boss would try out if they could get mm. away with it. So, like, taking one step back, like, we're talking about Africa and, you know, Colin Powell saying, oh, I've got this evidence of fucking mobile fucking chemical labs and we got the African, uh, the tubes of aluminium and they were from Africa. And when, I was, when you guys were talking, I was sort of twigged to go, I wonder if that was like a soft signal about, did they have fucking designs on Africa or they just got bogged down in the Middle East? Like, do you remember that where mm. they said, we got the things from Africa? Like, mm. and you're like, the fucking Africa is producing fucking. Well, there's been a fair, well, there has. There's, um, we, uh, Libya and Egypt have been two hot points. You know, obviously Gaddafi's been assassinated. The spring tide events in the, the I think that was post yeah, so, um, But that's GFC. like 10, ten yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, ten, no, no, it was ages ago. Yeah, post, yeah, you know, yeah, it's know. A, yeah, yeah. sort of weird that they sort of went. Here's the thing: they don't, they don't tell you something unless they want you to know it. Oh, they le- yes, yeah, that's right. They leading you to the problem that they have to solve. I, yeah, I yeah. broke my own cardinal rule for the 2024, which is to describe a they. So I'll come back to that at the end. Anyway, so we had you know, war on terror was they started to float the idea of Africa. We had after. You know, in the intervening years after the GFC, we've had we had a relentless thing before Ukraine. We were pushing back into South America, and it was fucking relentless about Venezuela. It was mm. one of our first fucking podcasts about the fetish, like of Venezuela fetish. Well, they, they people t- like wanking. It kind of got flat out about down. Venezuela once the once the CIA influence on um, elections sort of got lost. You know, uh, Lula's back in Brazil. You've got uh, Mazalas, I think his name is, back in Bolivia. Mm. It's really only the the Chiles and the, uh, Argentina's Argentina. really bad and inflation and all that sort of stuff. But the but new the, the new bloke that's looking at getting elected is like full on fucking worse than um, Pinochet. No, what's his fucking name in Brazil that was deposed? Oh, Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. He's yeah. worse than Bolsonaro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like South America. They'd like just race baiting basically in the mainstream meeting about who we should blame or where we mm. should deploy our armed forces. Yep. And when you were saying about, you know, what were the signs or the ground effects for you know, supremacy and then mm. fascism, yep. there, there's a beautiful old poem and one day hopefully we're successful enough to get someone like a John Fowles on, on to even recite this or tell us his own spin on it. But there was a, a poem or a saying about good left chaps in Germany saying first they came for the trade unionists, yep. first they came for the Jews, but I didn't do anything. And I wasn't a Jew. I wasn't yeah, a Jew. Yep. For, then they came for the unions, but I wasn't a unionist, so I didn't do anything. And then blah, blah, blah. That cascading effect, really, really fucking important because it just peels back the layers of the onion about who who's the opposition. They, at and the if, moment, they still need um, the majority support. They sure. still need majority support. So yeah. when we get to a country like Australia – where we'd go, oh, well, there's never going to be a fucking Bolsonaro. There's never going to be like a fucking armed thing or whatever. Probably not. And thank for things that have gone before, like we've got gun control and um, violent crime is at a lower level than countries that we see these problems in. But the soft signals, if we look at what else those supremacy signals or the dominant signals have been, how many times have a listener been involved in a discussion about wages and conditions and it is involved the result of a violent conflict internationally. Like, when you think about that, the fuck does that have to do with your wages and conditions at home? Like, say, 
and I'm not talking about supply chains. So say, you know, COVID and the factory shut down. That's that's different. It's a different set of circumstances. But when you talk about other things where like, oh, they fucking blew up that or these workers in fucking the Ukraine, they won't make this sort of oil or whatever, which I've heard at a recent EBA conversation as well. Like you're really using fucking armed conflict as a way to confuse or scare workers. And the reason I say soft signal is because too often workers will fall into that, go, oh, well, my wages and conditions are controlled by an international something out of my control. Yes. That is really not the case. And Isn't I- it interesting the people who understand that the most, like the union, the workers, the working industries that understand that the best is the maritime workers, in my opinion, because it's a real thing. They're on the dock, like the docks, the way the ship moves around, the politics and all the rest of it, is, it it's relevant or the situation is relevant and so on, but the struggle is, they, it's so fucking clear. Like, it's, they're doing exactly the same work. They know who's, who's buying and who's lying. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, prob- and that, it builds that up. So, and they're connected to that level of international solidarity. Yeah, or a, contain- a ship of Porsche fucking su- <laughs> supercars got hit by a big wave and they rode it off on tax yes. or something. Oh, yeah. They, they get oh, yeah. the scale of yep. economy. Yes. Whereas, and that's... Thanks, Neil, and I'll, I'll wind up on this, but the, the big one to bring it back down to the shop floor level, yep. never get fucking told that because of some international thing about orders or... There, there are extreme examples, but I was privileged enough to, because it's always a privilege, to organise through the, the arse end of the GFC. And for all the confined shock or scare or we're going to lock the gate or, you know, we'd make more money in the bank or whatever... Yep. It never happened. And that's, I'm talking mining companies, manufacturing companies, contracting companies, service companies. Yep. No one ever fucking, no one ever did. No. It. And, that's, and so that also comes, like the, that. The value of your fucking labor from the point of sale, from where your boss sells your labor to yes. the customer at yes. a local level, that's where the fucking value is. That's, skip- and that's also the line in the sand, isn't it? That, that's it the, is. The person, the people you have a problem with is the ones who are making the profit, not the fucking co-worker or the fucking other person who's somehow related to your industry in the supply chain or whatever. They're not going to have a, an effect. They don't control your positive or negative outcome anywhere near to the degree that someone who's making a profit from your labour or somewhere involved in that, right. that process. And the, yeah. the, the really good thing, and to clarify that, a company that is not exposed to global markets or isn't a huge investor, for a worker, what we need to understand is that unless they are hopeless investors, they have enough money to cop it. Mm. That's the reality. So if I'm thinking about big transnational uh, service companies that just seem to move on and they've got companies in every town and city in Australia and they're not even from Australia, they can afford to pay your pay rise. Well, not only that, they're on the inside, Mick. They have the inside rub on what's going to happen. The best example, um, Unusual Wales, fantastic, interesting um, Twitter account. They've just done the list of uh, the top 100 senators in the US who's been making money off trading on the the thing. So it's the same sort of thing, but even senators and so on that they're allowed to do in the US, in... When you're talking about businesses, they have got the yes, they've got the capital to fucking um, make a take a win or a loss, but they've also got the fucking they know what's going to happen. 
Because to a large extent, they're moving the money themselves. You're so not they, suggesting they're inside a trainer, are you, mate? They well, you only have that. to be one step away from it and you've still fucking got a pretty sure thing of making money. So you can inside trade and it's a really solid return or you can be one step out of it and be legal In- and you're still fucking making a solid Make return. A solid return. In- no. Inside of trading is only a text message away, comrade. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> It's not insider trading if you don't get caught insider trading. Yeah, that's 100%. If, if I could <laughs> oh, I agree. provide some inspiration, normally my notes go in a linear fashion. Have a look at that. Oh, <laughs> that is. It looks like a serial killer's that's bedroom. A diary that's of a madman. Pretty, pretty incredible. I don't know what's happening anywhere it's on art. that Actually, sheet of paper. It's, I think art. That's go- it's art. That's going on a photo. What <laughs> a, I just wanted to um, ask you your thoughts on assassinations. Oh, Jesus. Um, where are the bo- G- where are the bodies buried? Clark, <laughs> like where's the I don't know where where's that acceptable? When's it not acceptable? Who can and can't do these things? Because it just seems that the US and potentially their proxies uh, are allowed to assassinate people at will, and that that that's okay. But if their enemies do it, it's terrorism, then it's not okay. So to speak, um, and the reason why I bring that up, and I'm going to pay, play this clip, um, and we alluded to it earlier, but there was an assassination. Since Hamas's October 7 massacre, Israel has said it will hunt down Hamas's leaders wherever it finds them. That's exactly what's happened with the assassination of Hamas's most senior leader in Lebanon, Saleh al-Aruri. A drone hovered over a building in southern Beirut. Hezbollah's stronghold, where the Hamas leader was holding a meeting, then fired. Al-Aruri was based in Lebanon because he was Hamas's liaison with Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah. Israel has long prepared for a new war with Hezbollah, but right now it wants to focus on destroying Hamas in Gaza. Hezbollah is a far more formidable military enemy for Israel than Hamas. It's trained and funded by Iran, Iran is the leader of the world's Shia Islam countries and Hezbollah's puppet master. Hezbollah has as many as 150,000 missiles in southern Lebanon, near the border with Israel. Hezbollah also does not want a war right now. Lebanon's economy is in a dire condition and Hezbollah knows that a war with Israel may mean that sections of Beirut end up like Gaza, in rubble. The key player here is Iran, who watched with great interest the killing of Salah al-Aruri. The immediate decision for Tehran is whether to pull the trigger on a proxy war with Israel via Hezbollah. Well, so let's bit in that. All all I can really um, all I can really say is there's been in a fucking hopeless way, like no historian, no commentator, no got no right to fucking commentate on anyone's behalf, but think about what we hack together as um, functioning humans and have experienced culturally in our lifetimes. So, uh, World War One. anyone want to have a stab at what fucking kicked that off? Some bloke got fucking assassinated. Yeah, so... Didn't he? Kicked off with an Austrian Archduke being assassinated by a fucking Serbian. Was that Franz Ferdinand? That's the one. I was trying to think of the name. It was. The band. Not the band. The man. No. So, yes, inspirational, clearly. But uh, so that kicked off a world war. Uh, So that's kind of an interesting fucking thing, whipping it up. 
might even had a had of uh, people hoping or wishing for a, a bit of a trigger for World War One. Like obviously the Germans were keen as mustard. Um, you could almost plan that sort of thing out, couldn't you? Like a target that would motivate people to go to war. Yeah, interesting. So, interesting, so it's isn't a, it's it? A little bit interesting there. Yeah. So when we talk about because ex- what we're doing is murdering someone from another state. What what happens when you kill <laughs> when you kill in the name of a state? someone else in another country and then just say it was because they're a bad cunt. Like, what? how has that changed in our lifetime? And that what we've seen is um, once the cover of 9-11 and the war on terror came in, they were like, well, there's no, ba- there's no standing armies. There's no – they don't recognise national borders. This is a war that's now – between fucking whoever we deem it to be between. Yes, and prior to that, that was the justification for war. Standing armies and fucking, um, what do you call them, on your... your, your, You've got a badge, you've got a flag on your fucking thing. Yeah, Sure, the standing army thing. So for 20-odd years, that's now been, and you've got bring technology into it, so now you've got drones and you've got, um, you know, we sort about, we're talking about El Khomeini about, is that the... The dude that that was Trump, a recent one. The, the one before Trump, was Al Samani in was the uh, El Khomeini was the Iranian dude. Oh, I've got a clip for him next. Sorry, yeah, he's um, one yeah. two years ago. So yeah, and it was three years ago. It was a while ago, but Trump I've got a clip was, from Trump him. Trump was president. Of we'll, that one, yeah. we'll talk about that next. We okay. will, but the <laughs> right, no. just touching on that. Yep. that was a bit of a weird one because Trump was seen as the uh, isolationist mm. and the sort of we got him. We got him. Anti globalist, and then all of a sudden they're like. Yeah, we just fucking killed this dude, mm. and uh, that's great. And we're like, I suppose if that's uh, what floats your boat. But the acceptance that we now have, and I'll I'll draw a parallel to this non-military, is um, comrade journalist in Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, what's his fucking name? Khashoggi, the one of his Khashoggi, Khashoggi. Yes, that they fucking in the embassy. Dis- yeah, they dismembered a fucking bloke, and they went, "Ah, oh, royal family did that." Uh, he was talking shit. The Al Jazeera journalist was not yeah. good. Mm. So we just fucking cut him into bits and shipped him out of the embassy, and that's now done on to the next thing. And we just said, okay. Yeah, it's bizarre. Wasn't but that's was absolutely bizarre. <laughs> but the, and that, but and the reason why the and reason the solidarity why amongst journalism as well. That's this is one of the things I was going to yep, go, Clarky, go, go, go. <laughs> that's all good. But the reason why I brought it up. Yep was like about assassination. You look at Martin Luther King assassinated. You look at Fred Hampton, pretty hard to fucking say that that wasn't a fucking assassination. Martin Luther you King. look at what they did in Chile. Back you look back. at Thomas Sankara, if I haven't mentioned him. Like all these assassinations that happen around, the, like who's behind it, who's the agitator, who's doing all this shit. Mm. Um, and that was a really good point that you just raised then, Mick, about old mate from Saudi Arabia where we're like, oh, well, you know, it's fucking the Saudis. Like... Hey mate, can you like try and not to like assassinate and stuff? Like, but look, this shit just fucking constantly going on. Mm. And you look at like fucking even like Russia um, assassinating people and whatever. It's just like this shit's going on fucking constantly. But depending on fucking whether you're a goodie or baddie depends on whether or not that that was a good outcome or whether that was a bad outcome. So, if yeah. you, are you saying the reporting on these incidents have a strategic? Uh, objective by the government from which they're reported in. Is that what you're sort of saying? No, I'm more of a, more or less saying that. Fuck off, Neil. Sorry, like, mate. Like, like we said, before, <laughs> it was a Dorothy. No, no, but like we said before, <laughs> the pattern of behaviour is 
for a certain goal. Certain outcome, yeah, yeah. Certain outcome and the oppressors manufacturing doing these things they are the same people that fucking oppress workers in the workplace. The parallels in that behaviour and that motivation are identical. They're by the same identical. people. Yes. The same people. Same type of people, if not the exact can I, same. Can I also draw just anyway. a bit of an onion unwrapping exercise? Yep. Love a good tangent. Can I just also, quick trip down memory lane, people might just be going, oh, yeah, that fucking Khashoggi shit was bullshit and Saudis just fucking loaf around in their things and it's hot as fuck and they wear their fucking robes and don't do fuck all. What's special about them? Why would the US and the West have a special place in their heart for one joint in the Middle East? The question is really fucking good because in a black and white sense, goodies and baddies, Mm -hmm. then all brown people are the fucking potential enemy and they're going to blow up their family and have fucking explosives, which for the longest time everyone in the West was encouraged to believe. The reason is, just segue, when we talk about all wars are resource wars, the Saudis happen to be on a fucking a fuck ton of oil and so the just rank, rank connection of dots, but just to bring people in, is in the 70s when there was an oil crisis and there was tensions in the Middle East, the US basically swapped their anti-fucking brown people methodology for guarantee of all supply for armed protection of the Saudis in the Middle East. Mm. So now when you sort of go, why the fuck is there this anti-Iran, anti-everything brown around Saudi Arabia, why is why the Saudi special? They guaranteed all supply to the US. It is no, it is no fucking, and it protected... Well, the bigger thing is not the, just oil, it protected the dollar. That exactly. Well, I was just going to say that the, the biggest dollar. fucking one of the biggest motivations behind that was the fucking. I've never we're seen cunts doing fucking <laughs> athletics in the shed away from the restaurant. <laughs> going, get to the point, gun. We're spewing out fucking every top point from a documentary we watched on this subject lately. But um, the, the, they went from the gold standard and floated the the US dollar, and by that action, um, put the pet put the US dollar behind. A fair chunk, and then we're motivated to continue on that path behind all transactions around oil, which then trans then transition into the globalist um, economy, where all transactions, more or less, or well, the target was for all transactions to be done in US dollars, and building then, the fucking wealth of the US empire. And then the un- unintended. Let's not, because I don't, I don't truly believe it's not possible practically for knowing humans for a small group of people in suits to be able to perpetuate this whole fucking they or a fucking Illuminati bullshit fucking little group of people. It's a system. People want fucking power, they want control, and they want to perpetuate it. So They're motivated motivated by the same fucking... They invest. They want money. They want control, all that. So shared shared prosperity means you align behind the goal of shared prosperity, and then you will ignore shit political outcomes, journalists being killed, all that sort of stuff is like, fuck, it's a speed hump in their pursuit, their shared pursuit... Of fucking more but and could, more and more wealth. And then the the lie that stole the the West, two points, Clarky, before you go, because your lips are so fucking close to that, you're about to gulp that fucking microphone, is the, uh, the beauty, like we were saying, soft signals before, workers have been sold a pup in Australia and the West by saying, oh, well, it could be you, you know, we're fucking, what if, what if they're, you know, we came after you or fucking, what if... Reds under the bed, all these confined fucking bullshit things about where money stops flowing 
but to who? So leave that aside. But the other big question in the Middle East is once they did uh, make the transition for selling all supply for the gold standard, is the momentum that it created. And I don't think even – like Nixon was obviously a fuckwit who was – Senile old cunt, and I'll get to a meme about that later. But not to have a go at all old cunts because fucking a lot of them are great. But um, on that path, Nick, we're all on that path. Oh, don't fucking that's called foreshadowing. Um, (laughs) is the momentum that the oil what it would cause because gold's a fixed thing, it's in the ground, it's finite, Michael. It's a problem with that, isn't it? It's r- way more well known than another commodity, Neil. What's the other one? Other than gold. Oh, well, oil, yes. But, so but now yes. The, the wars are about going, we know where the oil is. They're just not in places that we fucking control. So we better go and get them. And it ties back perfectly to Comrade fucking Clark's opening, to his other Comrade Clark opening, is they had designs on oil fucking producing states and – is Iran special in the fact that it just is death to America or fucking hates America or whatever? What's special about Iran? There's so many things that are special about Iran. They are very resource-rich and traditionally a wealthy country on um, east-west trade, on the uh, Silk Road. Huge. So a little bit, they've got a bit of Afghanistan, they've got a bit of Iraq. Mm. Sounds like a good place. Yep. Mineral and oil rich, essentially, yeah. Sure. Incredible fucking so, um, geographical fucking centre of the West, of the Middle East, yep. Anyway, here, heroes and villains, comrade. I was just wondering if you were keeping an eye on the share market. Um, I have, actually. <laughs> what the worm thought about the uh, assassination Amazing. Um, yesterday and the terrorist attack The line has Iran. been going up on some very key... Like what the share market thought about those what, turn what, of events. What happens when there's an unexpected death in the West... What happens to the worm? So unexpected death. Well, in who will give West. us an example? Like who? Like as in like a leader, like a head, of, a head of state. You know, I'm very big air tags here. Oh, Ter- like Kennedy, for example. Terrorist attack, a shooting, anything like that. There's worms down. Not much, really, because like little, who's invading who? While. There. Only for a little while. I know we're not well, going to have a war amongst ourselves, are we? Yeah, but if it's and very careful. I don't want to transgress the fucking no, I was going to say, this, 2024 yeah, resolution. There's been a lot of um, uh, divestment discussions, so yes, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm no expert in don't wanna, space. Don't want to say yes. that. Don't want to say the they. But when there's unexpected things that happens in white countries, mm. and investors don't prepare for that. Oh yes, okay. It sends jitters through the market. Then yep. worms are down massively. But when there's pl- worms go up. Because of actions in brown countries, maybe because people had a chance to invest and reap the rewards. And pretty then much, what happens to the worm? Goes up. Goes up. This is pretty much the biggest reason why Australia. No, there's just no. Lo- you can't hide from people's motivation about money. Western supply, demand, scarcity, abundance, markets. It's fuck. Look, one of the biggest reasons why Australian property is one of the most. Ex- well, I think it is actually. We're on the track to becoming the most expensive per capita earning, or versus in the if you're looking at the two compared to each other, the most expensive real estate in the world is because geographically we've got no um, neighbours who are fucking radicals like in the Middle East or, or whatever, or if they've been engineered, and also because fucking you know we're a democracy and we're isolated geographically. I hate my, my notes. Just before you go, because you're about to do something good. <laughs> and we are. We are trending, we're trending towards a hot cut 
here soon because yes. fucking it'll become Neil, a nightmare. You were saying Sorry. the fucking yes. no, no, no. You were saying about um, how attractive Australia is and all this. Mm. We're talking about people that want to put money here and get money back. Park it. So safe. when we say when people coin the term the lucky country, they didn't term the coin lucky country because it's just you win the fucking win the nine spot more regularly. <laughs> you win on. If you have money, you get money back yes. because it's an easygoing place. There's fuckloads of resources in the ground. We haven't been subject to regional or civil or fucking world wars very badly. And uh, we're asleep at the fucking wheel. Let's be really fucking honest. The average punter has been convinced that they're, they're better the devil you know. Mm. Statistically, our, our um, equality has been within a fairly reasonable band. There's extremes, obviously, but the bulk of the population sits within a fairly decent band, whereas you look at other countries around the world and, and the US is fucking rapidly, and we're following them, in my opinion, but that transition towards larger and larger concentrations of wealth only leads to fucking those sort of um, civil unrest and problems. Civil War, whatever you want to fucking call it. Absolutely. Inequality. Inequality, class. Which is just another uh, side effect of the system that we currently live in that dominates the planet. I'm just going to play another clip. Um, this is from the BBC. This is about what's happened in Iran. That'll probably be it on the – we'll probably have a quick discussion, but we have covered it, but just so the listeners know exactly what we're talking about. This will give you a bit more of a background of um, what we're talking about as far as, like, the geopolitics of now there uh, potentially appears to be agri- agitating in Iran to see if they can get them involved because obviously if Iran got involved and it's a wider conflict, so on and so forth – um, but I'll just play this quickly just so you know. More than 100 people have been killed and scores of others injured in two explosions in southeastern Iran, near the grave of a top Revolutionary Guards commander. State television says the blast occurred in quick succession in the city of Kerman during a ceremony to mark the anniversary of the killing of Qasem Soleimani. He was Iran's most powerful military commander and was killed in 2020 by a US airstrike in Iraq. Local officials say two bags containing explosives were detonated by remote control at the entrance to the burial site. Well, with more on this, I'm joined now by the BBC Persians, Paham Gawadi, who's in our newsroom. Um, Paham, good to talk to you. Just bring us up to date on what more we know. So as you mentioned, this is one of the deadliest attacks in Iran in the past 40 years. It's been unprecedented. The number of the death toll is rising every few minutes so far. They say that some of those who are injured are in critical conditions. We know that at least one medic was among the casualties who was killed. Some of uh, two others are at least in critical conditions. They say that after the first explosion took place, the second, when people and medics rushed to the scene, the second explosion after 10 minutes uh, took place. Now, uh, what we don't know is that if all these people were killed in, uh, because of the exp- as a result of the explosion, or some of them were killed because of the stampede. And the, res- the, and the reason I'm saying that is because four years ago, uh, this, was, this happened during uh, a ceremony uh, commemorating, marking the fourth anniversary of 
Qasem Soleimani's death. He was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Iraq in 2020. Now, during his burial four years ago, 56 people were killed in a stampede. So what we don't know at this stage is that those who were killed today, some of them were killed in a, in a stampede again because of the panic and the chaos at the scene, or no, all of them were killed as a result of the explosion that took, two explosions that took place there. And what reaction have we had to this so far? So uh, Iran has considered this as a terrorist act uh, against Iran, and they said that uh, they would definitely retaliate to uh, whoever is responsible for this. Uh, they know uh, uh, no group uh, has claimed responsibility for this. Iranian media has also rejected the claims by Israeli media that a top Iran's revolutionary guard commander was killed. They said that no commander was killed during these attacks. Okay, thank you very much, Baham, in our newsroom with the latest on. Mm, can, so, just a um, bit of an update. So, apparently, um, ISIS have come out and claimed responsibility for that bombing. So they're the they're the rebel group who, that who came. are ISIS, Chris? They were at, um, the US's friends in Syria, I think it was, that got armed by the US government to go and fight um, another baddie called Assad, um, who turned in. Well, is he baddie anymore? Uh, don't think. I'm not sure whether he's a baddie at the moment. It's hard to fucking tell. Like, because Saddam was a goodie. When he was fucking fighting Iran, but then he became a baddie when he invaded Kuwait, um, and fucking who, who knows who the goodies and fucking baddies are these days. However, the reason why, and this podcast has been on a bit of a theme this episode, I thought that was pertinent, is because ISIS have claimed responsibility allegedly um, for this. Wesley Clark talked at the start about. Oh, well, now we have to fucking make friends with fucking Al-Qaeda because they're the ones that are going to then um, potentially keep Iran at bay in Iraq. And now fucking ISIS seem to be our friends again because they're setting off bombs in fucking Iran. And Wesley Clark, once again, mentioned that they put aside 74 million bucks 20 years ago to agitate inside um, Iran, and by agitate, I mean this is the type of shit that I'm talking about that they do when I mean agitate, which is cre create political unrest and fucking carnage to try and change a government. So uh, my concern is that uh, Iran apparently have said that, well, when we find out who did this, we're going to fucking um, tee off. Once again, creating more unrest in the Middle East and fucking away we go. And the whole shit show, shit show and the fucking cycle just continues and the feedback loop continues and who fucking knows where this will end up. It's amazing who these people partner up with, isn't it? Like the, um, in the pursuit of the... Uh, freedom. Of, of freedom, yeah, and liberty and guns and flags and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, it's... Um, oh, I was going to fucking say something quite interesting. The, the, um, what... what atrocities of the past and and so on that people are willing to look past uh, when they partner up with these people to pursue these sort of goals and the and the uh, the logic behind some of the statements that Wesley Clark was was opening our eyes to or is to was was when they say things like you know we're exploring all options well these are the sort of fucking things the options that they explore is partnering up with some pretty shady outfits funding huge amounts of you know taxpayers money at the end of the day from, from an empire that's exploiting all around the world 
to pursue these very narrow goals that end up funneling a lot of money back to either the state, but more importantly, the private interests these days. Once upon a time, it was in a lot of sense for the state, but it's it's becoming so fucking clear over the last, you know, historically last 50 years, you could say, the, probably the, even more. The state, and 100%, I absolutely agree with you. The problem is that the idea of the state through a lack of focus on who are the winners and losers and the yeah. antagonists, the state is seen as um, a shadowy group of fucking people somehow funneling it out to private interests. You're right. Sorry, actually, the, I'm, I'm wrong. That's, a, no, that's, no, actually, you're, that's you're, the cover for the no, reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, mate. You're yeah. not wrong at all. Mm. It's just what it's... Like, depending on what your viewpoint is, the state is like this shadowy thing when the state should be the ownership of the people. Yes. Yep. That's fucking just bizarre. When, when yeah, and then you look at, um, like, Wesley Clark. And who was the guy, um, Smedley Butler, who wrote War as a Racket? And he had come to the realisation after all those fucking years of service that he was really running – he was an architect in the protection racket – for capital, for money, uh, well, for big capital, I should say, for the for the money investment, securing sure. private investment and opportunities. He thought he was being a he thought he was being a patriot at the highest level, and in reality, he was running a protection racket for the fucking for big capital. And it not much has changed, clearly. Not much has changed, but what um, has changed is we no longer do podcasts that go for fifty hundred hours. So that's the segue. Oh, hang on. Oh, Someone's yeah. put their hand up. That's going to be the segue oh. somewhere maybe. Oh, my God. This is a big one. Uh, do we introduce the episode? Do we give it a name? Do we give it a number? And did we do anything of that before we, we started? We did say 54. 54? Yep. Okay. 54. Bong. Okay. So we've got... <laughs> Right over <laughs> So I'm just going to black that out. So we got, let's look to the past. We've talked about uh, Wesley Clark talked 20 years ago about a water side, cha- a water cooler chat he had in the fucking Pentagon, if you would believe it, about grand plans to just rip into the Middle East. So that happened. We've got names coming up like Al Qaeda and ISIS. Now, if there's anything we know about the. Uh, Western project in the Middle East. It's that the idea of Al Qaeda and ISIS is a little bit fluid in terms of whose interest it serves and what they're actually there to do, as opposed to where they came from. So, you've got initially on October seventh, one of the first talking points you had was the West saying, "Oh, we haven't seen this barbarity since ISIS." So we're invoking the spirit of ISIS. Go and have a look at where, and you don't have to worry about do you know which Muhammad started ISIS. All you need to do is figure out the timelines. When did the Western media start saying ISIS were a problem? So timelines, because they don't generally lie too much. Time is a very, very fierce adversary. So figure out when Al-Qaeda became a problem to the West and ISIS became a problem to the West. I'm not saying that they're not problems to decent people everywhere but what i'm saying is have a look at the timelines about when they became useful and when they weren't same as saddam same as fucking Gaddafi, all that stuff right through the middle east it's a it's a full history look at the date uh lebanon where we talk about they're saying oh you know isis methods of two bombings about getting a little bombing and then a big bombing and a historical date 
um, because that's what ISIS did or that's what terrorists do, massive hashtag. That's a 30, let's be honest, listeners, this is a 30-year-old trope. There are movies that still fucking portray this shit 30 years ago that will tell you that fucking Islamic extremists use two bombs. These are all part of the same information plan, which suggests that anyone that uses two bombs is an enemy of the West. What we're going to see, and the reason for this whole thing is not just to say controlling the news or telling you who's good or bad. The Strait of Hormuz, fucking the Middle East, like have a look at it on a globe. Don't just say it's the Middle East. It's not just that. BP, the US is talking about other nations and Yemen and Houthi and all this sort of stuff. Higher oil prices. We have to keep the profits rolling. Um, Other taglines you'll keep continuing to see coming down the line from your employer is not only higher oil prices, you'll see economic uncertainty while they're batting themselves off in the corner about how convenient that is. Also, supply chains, because after you ask them how many supply chains they have coming from Yemen or Gaza or fucking southern Lebanon, uh, just economic uncertainty, refer to question one. It's a bit like Fight Club. Don't ask about Fight Club. So in this, we're, it's you know hot to trot out for 2024, but we're not asking you to decide who is right or wrong or we're not saying who is right or wrong. All we're doing is highlighting the putting a bit of colour on it, uh, put it, plugging in a few gaps and asking you to think about who could gain out of the situation and the spin on the, the media cycle at the time. So if I may, comrades, I would just like to wrap up by asking our beloved listeners to think about um, from the top to the bottom, we're talking about some big fucking big unit issues like global sort of shit. Some may call them conspiracy theories, but whatever. I don't think that means anything. It's just a fucking chat. Who has capital? Who are your boss's allies? Who is winning in terms of that? Who benefits out of that? So who do your boss's allies win out of that? So are the capitalists or are your allies winning, i.e. workers winning? And I don't think the media cycle very claims to paints a very clear picture about workers fucking wins all over the books so my encouragement is when you're told these are the reasons why australia is a lucky country and you should just be happy with with what you got which i would say is the subliminal sort of murdoch call it the classical murdoch fucking viewpoint so my view is that is the australia absolute quintessential australian view is could be worse uh, lucky country, all that sort of shit. We we are very lucky historically for factual reasons. None of them because of the character or goodwill of your boss. They are all fucking cashing in because we're in an international fucking economic situation. So don't stop fucking asking. Are we doing closing? We're not doing mixed memes? Oh, we are. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah leading into it's been a banger. How long have you got? We haven't got any time. Two? Yeah, I'd say it'd be a two. Two hours, 38 minutes, but we spent but, but, no, was an hour, but was we an spent an hour talking shit before we oh, kicked good. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there good. you go.
Thank uh, fuck for that. Anyway, I had before editing Nick, fucking trauma going. Before on. Neil's prostate ruptures, <laughs> it was fine. Old Hammer Gillum. So had this had this one, and it's like a I don't know geeky looking fucking cunt, and he's like, only eight people have fifty percent of the world's wealth, but I might be one of those eight someday. So I don't think we should do anything about it. It's weird. It's weird. Grind set, bro. Neil's all about grind set. Love it. Yep. Taylor Swift produces 138 tonnes of CO2 emissions in three months to see soulmate Travis <laughs> Kelts, Keltsy Kelts. Quarterback for the Kansas what, uh, Chiefs. Yeah, that oh, fucking, there you go. that China, which is probably true, but she celebrated as being the only, uh, did here, only ethical billionaire on the planet. Oh, oh ethical billionaires. Good ones. Uppercut. So oh, if yeah. you think that ethical billionaires are a thing, please punch yourself. Or they're a solid philanthropist. That's another oh. fucking red flag. How, how'd they get Gina. there? <laughs> fucking losers. So, anyway, their response was, <laughs> and here I am drinking out of a soggy straw. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this one's pretty good. It's like... Um, I'm not sure whether it's Buddha, but it looks like it's a Buddha. Well, there's a heap of like monks and shit around, and it says, "Take Facebook memes seriously and get into fights with strangers." Here's one from the Chaser: Woke Australian cricket team strikes again, cancelling the fifth day of the Boxing Test match by winning too fast. <laughs> uh, Tesla was a genius who signed bad contracts and never made as much money as he could have because he was focused on science and then died in poverty. Today, his name is used by a marketer who is worth $200 billion and never invented anything. Perfect illustration of capitalism. Here's the one from the Anti-Capitalist League Facebook page. It's got a few words crossed out, but it says... If the highest paid person in your university or college is the basketball coach or the football coach, mm-hmm. then it is not a university. It is a capitalist sporting franchise with a side hustle in technical training and propaganda. Oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. The, um, the, actually, the last one I shared was from Brave New Films. This is another one from the same very fucking um, good page to follow. Uh, I don't get the argument that employers can't afford to pay $15 an hour. That is the value of labour. If I can't afford a Porsche, then I can't get a Porsche. I don't get to demand a discount on a Porsche. If a business can't afford labour, then that's on the business, not the labour market. I got got stiff about that. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Uh, There's a really, I don't know who the fuck this person is, probably not real, Uh, as most of Twitter, Caitlin Johnston has been... Amazing tweets recaptured by uh, uh, Facebook pages like Eat the Rich. So give that a run. But her latest one is, and she's been absolute fire on Gaza. If there were 2 million Jewish people trapped trapped by Christians in a giant open-air prison and placed under total siege, being told that half of them had 24 hours to relocate into the other half or be killed... No one would have confusion about what they were witnessing. Mm, exactly. Fucking hell, man. The, the the conflation around what is actually going on. And again, the other thing that I was talking about before with the, the solidarity of journalists globally, it just goes to show that the, the extension of what Chomsky was talking about in the 80s with the manufacturing of consent and using the media as a, as a um, propaganda arm of the current government or the current worldview of the government or whatever is, is playing it in real time because... 
the amount of journalists that have been killed, not just women and children, but the amount of journalists that have been killed, you would think would cause rise for acts of solidarity or more. There has been small pockets of it in some media organisations, but fucking, you hear fuck all. Like, you don't hear anything on the ABC in Australia no, about the, the number the of No, the evidence journals. is that a lot of the media stuff is being done by remote by either the IDF, so basically picking up Israel Defence Force, who's historically a bit uh, cheeky with the facts, or covering any Hamar, any Palestinian response by saying, oh, the... Palestinians say this, but it's Pal- uh, the Hamas health ministry. Yes. So, well, that's the governing party of the day, whether you recognise that or not. Yes. Is irrelevant. Well, well they're, sort of, they're not even the governing party. This is the other thing, like that state versus state. It's state against a group of people organising within a fucking open-air prison. Like, it's sort of – it's a hard one to sort of – like, um, they, do, they can easily delegitimise de- something when it's convenient for them. But then use that same organisation to I'm not fucking sure justify that. the fucking the sure use of the that. West. The West wanted delegitimise the mass somehow. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so they give it another name. Yeah, well, shovel's been hot lately. Shovel's been hot, Clarky. Yeah, hot, uh, hot as a chop. Has been. Bit off the topic of the Middle East, but Denmark to get Australian head of state before Australia gets Australian head of state, which has got a Tasmanian sort of element to it. Does have good. a bit of a Tassie element? That was a good one. So we're finding out that. Uh, a tech magazine is saying that tech tool, tech AI tools like ChatGPT are causing water usage to skyrocket and that the generation of mm, – I've done very well there. Um, have another go. Oh, have another dip. How AI tools like ChatGPT are causing water usage to skyrocket. Subheading. Microsoft's water usage for cooling tech has shot up to over a third – Shot up by over a third and could, oh God, that's bad. Could <laughs> fill Starting two and a half thousand Olympic swimming pools. So basically, what they're saying is the generation of AI is costing a fuckload of extra generation. And why are they cooling this shit with ocean water? That's the thing that fucking gets me. Like, why aren't they pumping in ocean on into their heat sinks to fucking? Because it's all heat. The processes are creating. Heat, so they need to get the heat away through fans and all that sort of what stuff. What if you own the water company, comrade? Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Mm. Sell to is, the highest. Is that it? Are we done for memes? No, we're not. Oh. We're not. What, Ray, Are we sure? Remember, remember when our world, remember when our world changed when we went to Canberra and we saw Raytheon signs. Yeah, Raytheon. Few people realise that the Rim Dash Seven Sea Sparrow is the most environmentally friendly anti-aircraft missile produced anywhere. We're proud of our commitment to a better future for all children of the world. Do good things, be greener with Raytheon. That's <laughs> is, off there. That, that's not real though, surely. No way. It's on their Twitter. It's oh, a, wow. It's a fucking t- <laughs> I bet you it's not They're there now. Legit. They're fucking. <laughs> If anyone's having a bit of a slow start, green, green bombs. We got green bombs. Green bombs. Yeah, green no, bombs. and they're ethical. Ethical bombs. Ethical. Ethical bombs. Probably made by. Um, they're probably like a, an inclusive workplace as well. Was, I mean. was that it? Is <laughs> that it? Mixed memes done, Dust. No, 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 no. If your energy's a little bit slow going into twenty twenty four, here's a good one. Uh, every dead body on Mount Everest was once a highly motivated person. So maybe you should calm down. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good meme. I like that meme. Got one of um, Jesus or a Jesus-looking cat sitting on a rock, and the caption is, when you realise all those awesome plants you gave humans were made illegal, and the caption on the picture is, 
Hashtag sad Jesus noise. <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's a question that was sent into a Facebook group called Air Fryer Tips and Recipes. And the question is to the group, is there any air fryer... Uh, that can handle a family of eight, and the reply was, "Take it easy, Jeffrey." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> yes, dog. Love that. Oh, fuck. Yep. And that's that was that was the moment that I thought you may have had an influence on my on my fucking social media feed after the last episode. I was just about to say it on the twenty fifth of December. So this is. 6.49 on Christmas Day, which is <laughs> oh, probably Jesus. when I was going for my morning poo after the kids have fucking nailed me, is just a matter of perspective. Yes. In case you – this is a, just a Twitter fucking thing. In case you need an update on how colleges are cultivating scary Marxist, I'm sitting in class being lectured by a former US ambassador to the Soviet Union telling us how – Ronald Reagan was a beacon of human rights against communism. Wow. Oh, fuck, what a grub. So much Marxism being promoted, of course. Penis. Pen 15 Club. Is that it? That's it? Pen, fif- like it. Pen 15. Welcome to 2024 then, comrades. That's episode 54 wrapping up right now. We don't want to go too long, so we can actually edit these and get them out uh, in a more consistent fashion. So all I'll say is, for 2024, your New Year's resolution should be, if you haven't already, join your union or ask other people to join your union. Organise your workplace, educate and go on strike to make sure that you get what you deserve. Over to you, comrades. Excellent, Clarky. I won't be the last one tonight. I'll leave that honour to you, Mick. But uh, the only uh, thing, yes, yeah, same. I share all the sentiment with Clarky. 2024, big year coming up. Um, John Pilger, Australian journalist, passed away uh, just this week. And um, I reckon if you could spare a little bit of time and go and check out the, some of his... The late great. The late great. Did not fuck around. No, definitely not. There's so many examples of where he fucking owned... The position of a good journalist, which is uh, on fact and research and good sources. And speaking to people on the ground, uh, his Vimeo account is probably one of the better places to see all of his movies. They're all free on that one. Um, But you can also search for him on YouTube and you'll get so much fucking inspiring content and truth telling. So that's it for me, Mick. You're uh, you're up, Cobber. Yeah, so um, thanks, comrades. Um, absolute pleasure to be back on and speaking to you. Um, all I wanted to really say was uh, a couple of things. One is um, whatever your means of production. No, not production, but, yeah, you fucking produ- everyone produces something and it's important and you're fucking important. Whoever's listening to this is an important person. Um, is just have that conversation with someone about – furthering their fucking edu- their educational base about what we're dealing with. We're not saying go and fucking, you know, burn down fucking central banks or fucking whatever. It's just about understanding the system we live in. So introducing someone to a theme or an idea or something that's important to you, that's a worthy first step. The other one I just wanted to circle back on, having done some reflection through the 
slight break through the Christmas period was where I I have and the boys don't. I do. I transgress. Overgeneralize a theme. Um, I just wanted to make it clear and double and triple and quad down whatever the fuck that word is about um, when we uh, when I have generalized about the state of Israel or Saudi Arabia or fucking the UK or the US or fucking anywhere that we've described that's not here, even Australia, even Tasmania, even parties, sub fucking electorates within Tasmania, we understand and respect and love the fact that there are people within those places, though, even though they may be at that time under the democratic or other control of conservative forces that there are heaps and heaps and heaps of amazing fucking cats that are fighting for humans humanity and humanitarian reasons in those places and i just want to fucking shout out to you guys so where we have it where i have overgeneralized, i apologize and i just want to fucking let everyone know that i fucking see ya and everywhere that fucking you know, as the great saying goes, anywhere that fucking injustice exists is fucking not good enough. So um, anywhere that capitalism is having a negative impact and you're fighting against it, I fucking love you and respect you. Hear, hear.